Kinsman Redeemer. What is a Kinsman Redeemer? Well, when you look it up, we find that a Kinsman Redeemer is someone who steps in to claim responsibility. They redeem, they vindicate, they act on behalf of the dead. Hey guys, my name is Jessica Hartzold and I am obsessed with all things Jesus. I am a lover of my Bible and a pursuer of our Lord, but I am also a woman who makes mistakes and doesn't always get it right. I haven't always been a follower of Jesus. Boy, have I not. However, during one of the most difficult times of my life, God illuminated for me the power of a choice and this gift of free will. She Chooses is a podcast purpose to help you fall in love with Jesus, and in doing so, learning how to harness this gift of free will by taking life one choice at a time. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the She Chooses podcast. Today, we are wrapping up our study of the book of Ruth. And I hope as we have journeyed through this precious, beautiful, wonderful book that you have seen exactly what people say when they say that this is the greatest short story ever written, been beautiful and is beautiful and is one book that you can't just lay down and not revisit. Today, we're going to go ahead. We're going to wrap it up. Our focus today is Kinsman Redeemer. What is a Kinsman Redeemer? Well, when you look it up, we find that a kinsman redeemer is someone who steps in to claim responsibility. They redeem, they vindicate, they act on behalf of the dead. Such a powerful, powerful title, such a powerful thing, especially when we correlate the fact that Jesus is our very own kinsman redeemer, the one who stepped in to claim responsibility, the one who has redeemed us, the one who has vindicated us, the one who has act, acted on behalf of the dead. Us, those of us, every single one of us who is lost, dead to sin. What a beautiful, beautiful chapter this is. Today we're going to approach this. We're going to read it. We're going to read it. We're going to chunk it apart. We're going to dive into the details. We're going to check this out. So without further ado, here we go. Chapter four, Boaz marries Ruth. Boaz, Boaz went to the town gate and took a seat there. Just then the family redeemer he had mentioned came by. So Boaz called out to him, come over here and sit down, friend. I want to talk to you. So they sat down together. Then Boaz called 10 leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, you know, Naomi, who came back from Moab, She's selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away, because I am next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, all right, I'll redeem it. Then Boaz told him, of course, you purchased the land. Your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way you can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I cannot do it. Now in those days, it was the custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction. 
So the other family redeemer drew off his sandal as he said to Boaz, you buy the land. Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing there, you are witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Malan. And with the land, I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malan, to be my wife. This way, she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. Then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestors, Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor, Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. So Boaz took Ruth into his home and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor women said, now at last Naomi has a son again and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. This is the genealogical record of their ancestor Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. All right, so there is Ruth chapter 4. Now we're going to take some time. We're going to break down to see what exactly is happening. And we're going to examine how Boaz, he points us to the better Boaz we know in Jesus Christ. Boaz, we find in verse 4 that he went to the town gate and he took a seat there. Just then the family redeemer he'd mentioned came by. So Boaz, he called out to him, come over here and sit down, friend. I want to talk to you. So they sat down together. Then Boaz called 10 leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. We're going to stop with this verse right here. We're going to look to see where did Boaz meet his relative? And we find that he met him at the town gate. Why at the town gate? Because that's where things happened. It was this public setting and he wasn't hiding anything. This was official. This was a place where things got done. So why did he meet him at the town gate and not privately? He did that because he needed witnesses. He knew that he needed witnesses and he wanted those witnesses because he was redeeming Ruth. We see Boaz do some things in this verse and we find through just this simple act, we find that he is a man of his word. And he told Ruth that he was going to take care of things. And we see him holding fast and doing just that. When we look at Boaz as a picture pointing us to Jesus, we can see images of that here. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15 says, 
In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Boaz here, he wasn't hiding anything. He went straight to that town gate to handle this right away. He called together witnesses. The town gate, this is where the authorities of the town would gather. This is much the same as Jesus because Jesus, he went straight to work disarming those spiritual rulers and authorities. We're going to go ahead and keep reading and we're going to find, and Boaz said to the family redeemer, you know, Naomi, who came back from Moab, she's selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away because I am next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, all right, I'll redeem it. So what just happened here? We find that that first in line kinsman redeemer, he has agreed to redeem the land. But then the scripture goes on. Then Boaz told him, of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I cannot do it. Something just happened. There's been a turn of events. Boaz, I love to see how he worked in this moment. Boaz, he, he led with the land. He was strategic in this proposal. And when he drops in that Ruth the Moabite comes with it, the kinsman redeemer immediately withdraws. He knew when he called Ruth the Moabite that that kinsman redeemer was going to wince, that he wouldn't want his estate to be tarnished by who she is. And what we see some things happening here with this other kinsman redeemer, and we need to take note of it. We find that he's worried about his image. He's worried about this inheritance that he'll be able to leave for his current family. And he seems to be a respecter of persons. Boaz, however, he, he wasn't like that. And he demonstrates the same characteristics of Jesus beautifully. Our God does not care about our circumstance. Who we are holds nothing when it comes to his love for us. Our perceived level of dirty or worthlessness and shame, none of this challenges his willingness for our redemption. When we apply this to, to Jesus, what, what do we know? When we apply this to Jesus, we know some things about him that are true. We know that he is not a respecter of persons. We understand that the inheritance that he passes on to us is so vast that there is abundance for all who are willing to serve him. This limited inheritance that was so big for this first family redeemer, it's not a factor in Jesus's redemption decision for us. The fact that Ruth was this Moabite, it didn't cause Boaz to hesitate at all. Just the same, our background doesn't cause Jesus to hesitate at all. Boaz, he was motivated by love. He wanted the very best for Ruth. She wasn't someone that most men would have chosen, but Boaz did. And it's exactly the same thing that Jesus does for us. Chapter eight goes on and it says, now in those days, it was custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction. 
So the other family redeemer drew off his sandal as he said to Boaz, you buy the land. We have to stop and we have to talk about that shoe. We find details on this in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 through 10. It says this, If two brothers are living together on the same property and one of them dies without a son, his widow may not be married to anyone from outside the family. Instead, her husband's brother should marry her and have intercourse with her to fulfill the duties of a brother-in-law. The first son she bears to him will be considered the son of the dead brother, so that his name will not be forgotten in Israel. But if the man refuses to marry his brother's widow, she must go to the town gate and say to the elders assembled there, My husband's brother refuses to preserve his brother's name in Israel. He refuses to fulfill the duties of a brother-in-law by marrying me. The elders of the town will then summon him and talk with him. If he still refuses and says, I don't want to marry her, the widow must walk over to him in the presence of the elders, pull off his sandal from his foot, and spit in his face. Then she must declare, this is what happens to a man who refuses to provide his brother with children. Ever afterward in Israel, his family will be referred to as the family of the man whose sandal was pulled off. Interesting stuff, right? There's so many interesting things that we find in the Bible, and it, it's such that you can't just read it once. You've got to go back. I mean, how many of you have read through the Bible and you never keyed in on the, the sandal pulling and the spitting of face? What we find here is this was a business transaction. It involved the purchase of land and the purchase of Ruth. This shoe part is like a contract with a signature. What's interesting to me is Boaz doesn't follow exactly what this scripture says. He took care of things for Ruth and there was no face spitting involved. However, this transaction just the same was irreversible. The other Redeemer's decision, it was indeed final. There was no going back. The same is true for Jesus. Once he saves us and brings us into his family, there is no going back on his work. He tells us over and over again, he bears our burdens. We hold our peace. We sit, we wait. He fights the battle. So let's keep going on. We're going to keep chunking out this chapter. Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing there, you are witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Malan. And the land I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malan, to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. Then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied, we are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. Ruth was purchased. Just as Ruth was purchased, so are we. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20 says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Friends, redemption, it comes with a price. Like it or not, it does. The Redeemer gives something up. And Boaz, he was willing to pay the price. Jesus is willing to pay an even greater price. 
We were bought with Jesus's blood on Calvary. Ruth, she had zero to offer. She was never going to be able to pay Boaz back for what he was doing. Just the same, we're never going to be able to pay Jesus back. What he's done for us was unearned and undeserved. Ruth and Boaz, we find that they're about to be married. It's in this message that we see a beautiful picture of Revelation chapter 19, verse 6 through 8, where it says, Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd, or the roar of a mighty ocean waves, or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. His bride has prepared herself. She has made herself ready. Ruth had no clue. She didn't realize that was what she was doing. She didn't know all along this path that she was preparing for her wedding day. But it's exactly what was happening from the very beginning of chapter one as we see the Lord drawing her to him. It was her beautiful obedience that got her to this marriage. Just as it's our obedience to the word that gets us to the same marriage supper of the lamb. Going back to the chapter, so Boaz took Ruth into his home. She became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age, for he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Something absolutely beautiful has happened to, to Naomi here. Her situation, when we look at it, has changed over the course of this book, and it has changed substantially. We said in an earlier study, repentance and revival, they always go hand in hand. We've watched as Naomi, she went from the, the Almighty has testified against me to her receiving a great blessing. She was in a place of hopelessness, but she held on. And here we see an example of all things working together for God's good. Yes, there was pain. That pain didn't get taken away, but she did see goodness again. And it points her to her ultimate restorer, her great God. We can learn so many lessons from her when it comes to facing trials of life. Naomi, the scripture says, Naomi took the baby, cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor women said, now at last, Naomi has a son again, and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. This is the genealogical record of their ancestor, Perez, and you cannot skip over it no matter how much your flesh wants to skip these words because they're powerful. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. Ruth is the great grandmother of David, who is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. This message is a message of redemption. 
there there's a lot of mess here there is a lot of pain too and here we see something beautiful truly can come out of mess and pain jesus he is our very own kinsman redeemer as we live for him we discover that he steps in and this book does such a beautiful and powerful job of depicting making this personal for us we can so easily connect ourselves to to naomi you know we can connect to her in the pain and the trials of life you know we can connect ourselves to ruth when we feel like we're rejected and you know when no one wants anything to do with us there's so many ways so many things that we can really identify with when we look at this book and when we we look to boaz as the picture of jesus this book becomes intensely personal because jesus is our kinsman redeemer as we live for him we discover he does exactly what that definition lays out because he steps in to claim responsibility for us he redeems us and he vindicates us he does not hesitate to act on behalf of us even while we are still dead in our sins boaz he points us to that even greater boaz that we know in jesus you just listened to an episode of the she chooses podcast thank you for taking time to listen I hope over the next few days, you'll take some time and really think about what we just went over. Look for a way to apply it. It's when we activate the word that we really start to step into the life that Jesus desires for us to live, that authentic Christian living. If you found this episode helpful, share it. And please leave a review. When you do, you help elevate the She Chooses podcast in the search results of others, making it easier for them to find. And if you're like me and you like to digest information in varying forms, you can find the full episode transcript on the She Chooses website. Check out the show notes for a direct link. And hey, while you're there, go ahead and subscribe, making sure you never miss an episode.